We begin each year with celebration, which quickly turns into reflection and a long list of resolutions. Lose weight, work out, read more, slow down, eat better. Unfortunately, by mid-year, most of us find ourselves back at square one. What if it was a better way? What would this year look like if instead of a fad diet, we took a deeper look at some of the things that are happening inside each and every one of us? And maybe, just maybe, this could be a year of real change. Well, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for being with us today. We're excited to be in God's house, making it all about Him, and then we're going to look to His Word so that we can leave encouraged, strengthened, maybe corrected a little bit from His Word, if that's okay, that we would just have a, be a church that submits our life to the Word of God because I believe our life goes really, really much better. Come on, say that. Much better, much better. when we do it God's way and not our way, okay? So that's what today is all about. We gave you some notes in your seat. We're a note-taking church. Come on, write things down as God speaks to you today, maybe a verse, maybe a thought. I believe two things are happening in environments like this. I believe as the word is being preached, you're hearing what I'm saying, but there's also the dynamic of what is God saying perhaps through me, okay? So listen kind of twofold, and I would encourage you to right now just go ahead and say, God, speak. I'm listening. I'm, I'm not here just to come or check something off a to-do list. No, I'm here to hear from you and to receive your word today, and uh, I believe it will change your life for the better. In Jesus' name, can I get a good amen, somebody? Yeah. I want to say hello to anybody joining us online on YouTube, and if you haven't, make sure to subscribe there. We post the messages every Sunday night, and there's a plethora of them if you ever feel like you want to share one with a friend. Uh, one of the best ways that you can partner with God is being an encouragement to those God has placed in your life, and if this message is a tool for that, then by all means, we want to resource you well so that you can spread the good news of Jesus to the best of your ability. Well, we're in a, a New Year season, and a lot of times at the New Year, we make what? New Year's resolutions. I love a resolution outside of the fact they don't work. <laughs> Studies say statistically about 80% of your resolutions and mine end by Valentine's Day. Come on, love weekend, we out, we peace out. Why, why, why is that? Well, the motivation fades. And resolutions are great, but they're external behaviors that we're trying to change. And honestly, that never really changes anything because it's based on our willpower, and our willpower fades. But God promises not just a new leaf. He wants to give you a new life. He wants to take a resolution and put it on the inside of you. And that's why we've called this series a collection of talks around the idea of revolution. I want a revolution. I want God to do something on the inside of me that at some point in the near future begins to show up on the outside of me. That is the power of being a Christian. And that's what the Bible says, actually, that when you become a Christian, this what happens. That, that you would think it would say um, that you read your Bible more. Um, when, I, when I become a Christian, um, you know, maybe, maybe I attend church more. All great things. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17... It says, when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes, check it out, next verse, a brand new person. On the outside? No, it doesn't say that. He becomes a brand new person on the inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. That's why we've started with a thesis this year that goes like this. 
if 2023 is the best year spiritually for you, it will be the best year of your life. But it's an if. You have to make it the best year spiritually. So what do we have to do? We have to seek first the kingdom of God. We have to put God first in our lives. Now, a revolution by definition says this. It says it's a radical change in the established order. And you and I have some orders in our life. You had an order at how you woke up this morning, put some makeup on, or, or washed your hair, shaved if you're, if you're a guy, right, and got to church. You had a system, you had an order for that. You have an order in your marriage if you're married. Students, hopefully you have an order to do your homework and not make your parents do it because you didn't. That's just for my kids. Um, you know, you, you have an order to the other areas of your life. You have an order, but we perhaps need a radical change to the orders we've been living by. That we need to shake that up and allow God to reorder some things in our life so that we can experience his best in this new year. Is anybody with me? I'm here for that. So last week we talked about revolutionary faith. That the foundation would be letting God revolutionize your faith, so your life with Him. And so that's why we've strategically placed 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year. Because we've just come off of a, a season of extreme indulgence, and we're trying to just set some of those things aside. And almost like the tithe is in the Bible, the principle of first, give God the first, not just of our resources, not just of our week. And you're doing that. You're here on Sunday. But give God the first of our year. This says before February, before March. No, no, no. We're not even asking for, for a bunch of things. No, we're just seeking your face, wanting more of your presence in our lives. And that's what prayer and fasting is. It connects us to God and disconnects us from the earth, from, from ourselves. And so uh, last week we talked about faith. Today I want to talk about our health. Some of us need to revolutionize our health life. As a matter of fact, I would say all of us have an area of our health, our physical life, that needs to be kind of revolutionized, that God needs to do just a new work in. Okay, so I'm not trying to step on your toes today, but the Bible talks a lot about it, and so we must also talk a lot about it. You see, you see what happens there. But here's what Paul said. He said it's actually a body of death. <laughs> wow, I'm so encouraged. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. The Apostle Paul in Romans 7, he was talking about the war that rages in our lives and our hearts. You see, you have this, this part of you that wants to follow God, that wants to do all the things. That's why we honestly make New Year's resolutions, because there's a desire in us to pursue God. God put eternity in your heart, and no matter how much we try to fill it with other things, nothing else will satisfy. And so there's this desire there, but our actions and our behaviors seem not to keep up very well. And Paul, you should be encouraged. The Bible talks about this. So if that's you today, and I've been there, I want to encourage you, you're not alone. As a matter of fact, this message is dedicated to anyone who is frustrated physically. You're, you're just frustrated. You, you're tired. Maybe you didn't even make resolutions because you've realized they don't work. And you just came today with not much encouragement in your heart. And I'm praying today in Jesus' name that the Word of God encourages you and sets you on a new path. Can I get a good amen, church? Check it out in Romans 7. The Bible says it this way. For I have the desire to do what is good. I have the desire to go to the gym. I have the desire to get good sleep. I have the desire to not overuse and overabuse my body and to schedule uh, my life in a healthy way. I have the desire not to click on those websites. 
I have the desire not to crave those passions that the Bible says aren't best for me. I have the desire to do it, but I can't carry it out. Like, like I want to do it, I just can't get it over the line. I can't get pen to paper. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no. It's actually the thing I don't want to do. Have you ever been there? If you're not raising your hand, you're lying. And we'll for, God will forgive you from that. But we've all been there if we're being honest. Yeah, two hands. Come on, raise them up. Get Pentecostal with me. That was pretty funny. Now, if I do not do what, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it. Watch this. But it is sin living in me that does it. We have a sin nature. We're all born with it. No matter how much we love Jesus, there's a war going on on the inside of you that's wanting to do everything other than what God says. So you should never feel condemned when you have a desire to follow God, but you just can't seem to get it to show up on Monday. Or maybe it's Monday, but you just can't get it week over week. Praise God, that's why we go to church every seven days. Make church a priority in your life because it'll keep you grounded. It'll keep you encouraged. It'll keep you on track to making it your best year spiritually, which ultimately will be what you would say at the end of the year this year, it was my best year. Here's what the Bible goes on to say a few verses later in Romans in Roman 7. What a wretched man am I. Who will rescue me, here it is, from that body of death. So Paul's writing here, he's frustrated. He's like, man, I, I want to do these things. And sometimes I do, but there's, there's another battle going on inside me. And I guess I'm just out of luck because I don't really see any solution. My, my bank account being a certain amount is not going to rescue me. My, my re religiosity of just doing the thing spiritually without any internal motivation, it's not going to rescue me. But the next verse says this, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus is what we need to start with. A lot of times we start treating the problem with what we think is the best solution. So if we're not feeling good physically, we just try to work out, but the motivation fades. But that's great to work out, and it's great to change some things physically in your life, but you don't start there. You start with acknowledging, have I invited Jesus into this area of my life? Have I given him lordship over all the areas of my life, not just a few? Because we all have that area where we feel like a wretched man or woman, right? So what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible uses a word all throughout the New Testament called debauchery. Debauchery, like a Bible word? Debauchery. Debauchery, by definition, is simply an extreme indulgence in sensuality. Now, uh, coming off the Christmas season materialistically and food-wise, come on, I just didn't want to disappoint the cooks. If they cooked it, I ate it. I mean, just serve me, come on, all day. And, and maybe you've been that way too. I think it's important to look right here in this season. What is the challenge with living a life that way where spiritually we love God, but we got a few areas of our life that need a revolution? Well, number one, I want to give you three things that I believe happens when we don't address these areas. And number one is very straightforward. It destroys me. Jesus said in John 10 that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That no matter what you think about the devil or the enemy, it doesn't make him unreal if you don't believe in him. He has another narrative for your life. He has a false agenda that he wants you to live by and adhere to. But that's not the life Christ has for us. And so we cannot 
give in to that and let it destroy us. Here, here's the thing. It's not necessarily a heaven or hell issue. It's the quality of your life here on earth, and God really cares about that. So there may be some things in your life that doesn't, I mean, your sins are forgiven. You, if you've given your life to Jesus, you're going to heaven. But the quality of your life here is just lesser than God would have it. Also in John 10, the Bible says, that's what he came to do, but I came to give you life and life to the full. Jesus in the Lord's Prayer actually pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, earth is never going to work out perfect like heaven. It was never intended to. But earth can be heaven-filled, that through our lives we can let heaven come in us and through us and be heaven to the earth. We are how heaven gets to the earth, is God putting his spirit in us and letting that come through to others. Now, I, that, again, that's why I love 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. Because you and I can't get motivated enough in 30 minutes together in a message out of God's word to really get it on the calendar. We, we, need, we need a radical approach. If we want a radical experience, we got to do some things radically on the front end. And I've just determined I don't want just another status quo year. I've determined I don't want to just go through the motions of singing a few songs and hearing a talk of, about God's word and then just, you know, kumbaya, let's have some lunch and struggle the rest of the week. God's promised us power in our lives, but it's up, up to us to step into it. Can I get a good amen, somebody? Here's what Paul said, same guy who in Romans 7 was saying, man, it's something's going on. Here, here's what he said. I, I'm using some discipline. He said, everything is permissible for me, but that doesn't mean it's beneficial. Everything is permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. What fasting does in your life is it breaks the power of sin. It breaks the power of your body calling the shots. And all of us have our bodies screaming at us. Our flesh is screaming at us, trying to get us to do what it wants to do. Interesting enough, after Romans chapter 7, in Romans chapter 8, Paul uses the whole chapter talking about life in the Spirit. Did you know that you're not an earthly being having a, tip, a spiritual experience? You're actually a spiritual being having an earthly experience. That the spirit part of you, God made you triune. So your body, soul, and spirit. Your body, we're all in the earth suit, right? We have a body, but we're not a body. We are a spirit with a soul in a body. The spirit is the part that's like God. When you give your life to Jesus, the Spirit is the part that actually comes alive and witnesses, as Romans 8 said, spirit to spirit. That's what happens when we give our life to Christ. But you are a triune being, and here's what happens. If you've ever played the game King of the Hill, come on, anybody ever played the game King of the Hill? Okay, you guys aren't talking no matter what I say, okay? So here, here's the game in a nutshell. When you're from the country and you don't have a lot to do, you figure out games. So you find dirt piles or mounds of grass that are higher, and you try to, try to dominate the top of the hill. And whoever's strongest can survive and stay on top of the hill, right? So you're, you know, some, you're up top, somebody's coming like, boom, right in the face. You kick them, you know, they're grabbing at your feet. You just face plant them right there. And Jesus is saying, boom, get off me. You know, you just, you're trying to dominate because whoever's at the top is generally the strongest. Well, the same function is true in your spiritual life. You are body, soul, and spirit. 
Whoever you're feeding the most is strongest, and whoever you're starving the most is weakest. That's why we pray and fast. We are hyper-driving our spiritual life, feeding it, feeding it, feeding it with prayer and the Word and church and all the things. And then we're fasting our flesh, and we're saying, you don't get to call the shots. You're not a good leader of my life. You're not always pointing me to Jesus. What you want doesn't really line up with God's Word. So you're no longer in charge. There's a new King of the Hill. It's the Spirit of God in me and I'm going to live my life this way and you can follow suit. Come on, give him praise if you're going to give him praise. Yeah. But some people are like, man, fasting, y'all just trying, y'all just trying to lose weight up in there, man, trying to look good. Listen, a diet changes how you look. Fasting changes how you see. I'm trying to see a different tomorrow. I'm trying to see my purpose, not my past. I'm trying to see what God has for a city and a people that he's called. I'm trying to see different. I'm not trying to look different. And fasting doesn't change our physical appearance. It changes our spiritual appearance. Now, some of us may be like, well, man, it doesn't matter what I look like. Do you? Boo, stay out of my business. But that's not what God says. God says, let your light shine before men. So they may what? See your good deeds and glorify me. God has positioned us to be an ambassador. Therefore, how we live our life matters. How we, how we say yes to things and no to things, even though they may be permissible for us in our Christian liberty, are they beneficial to our brotherhood and our sisterhood and those who are just a little bit behind us in pursuing Christ? We have to live through the lens of others. It only destroys me, but that debauchery, that sin life, what does it do? It dilutes my witness. 2 Corinthians 8 says it this way. For we are taking pains. Oh, we're grappling with it. I, we're, we're not just moving around aimlessly. No, no, no. We're taking pains to do what is right in front of God. Yes, but not only God. We're trying to do it in front of men as well. Now, Paul was talking about an offering here where he was raising it up and he was promising to be a good steward and to not only honor the Lord with what was holy, tithes and offerings, but he was also trying to do it in the eyes of man, knowing that he was a witness, knowing that people will see Christ through his life. He felt that pressure and that weight and that responsibility to do it correctly. But I would submit to us, this applies to every area of our life. May we be a people in Jesus' name, by the Spirit of God, not our own willpower, because it does, doesn't cut it but that we would take pains to live a righteous life in his name so that others may see our life and go, you know, there's something different. I know they still struggle. I know what they've been through, but there's still joy in their heart. How are they so joyful with what they've gone through? Oh, it's not me. Let me tell you about what Jesus has done in me. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see life's not perfect, but I'm pursuing Christ. He's doing a deep work in me. And I would say there's room for you. Come on in. The water's fine. And let's see what God could do through you. We don't want a deluded witness. We don't want to be destroyed. And we definitely don't want to dishonor God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, do you not know, almost to say you don't, or you would live differently. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Paul says never. Why would I ever do that? And so many of us see this building as holy. We see church as a sanctuary. But that's Old Testament. 
That's why we needed a revolution. That's the old order, the old covenant. The new covenant, God didn't just dwell in a building. God dwells in you. You're the building. You're the sanctuary. The Bible goes on to say you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. How would we live our lives if every day we woke up with the knowledge and the understanding and the fresh revelation that my life is not my own? I've been bought with a price. And this, look at it. You can't have it. This is the temple, baby. Okay, hands off the temple. I mean, we need to honestly raise our standards a little bit and watch what goes into the eye gate. Watch what we allow into the ear gate. Watch what we allow into the mouth from time to time. Watch what we allow physically in our life because the spiritual impacts the physical. So what do we do? We don't want to be destroyed. We don't want our witness diluted. I, I would imagine you, you don't. You're at church, right? And we don't want to dishonor God in any way. We need to have a revolution in our fitness. Come on, say that, fitness. Some of you are like, I'm into fitness. Fitness, whole pizza in my mouth. Amen. I got an amen finally. Come on, we into fitness, but God's after a different kind. And I want to offer it to you in a new way. Because I think we need a new motivation. It's, it's not behavior modification. It doesn't work. That's a resolution. We need to change our belief about how we see ourselves and how God sees us and the honor and responsibility we have to be his ambassadors so that we can live a life that's different so that they may never come here, but they may come here because they see how you live at the workplace or in the marriage. So what do we do? What do we do? I'm so glad you asked. I want to give us again, as I did last week, four questions right here at the beginning of the year that we can ask ourselves around the area of our physical life. Because remember, we're triune. The spiritual impacts the physical. And you know that. When, when you feel better about yourself, you probably more consistently read the Word. When you're seeing yourself as God sees you and you're not allowing things to creep in your life that are, that are dishonoring to God, you feel less condemnation. You feel closer to Jesus. So God allowed them to be connected, and that's why we have to address it today. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Let me say it this way. You and your house, you have fine china, and you got paper plates, right? You treat them differently. If someone of, of value's coming over, you're bringing out the fine china, right? And when you wash it, you know, you're, you're polishing it. It doesn't go in the dishwasher, right? It's, you know, it's getting special treatment. Why? Because it has intrinsic value on it. it. The same way with us being the temple of God. That we don't need to live a paper plate oriented life. That we just let everything use us and then throw us in the trash. We need to realize we're fine china. Ephesians 2 says you are God's masterpiece, created in advance to do good works. You've got to understand that God sees you as a masterpiece. He's the master art maker, and he made you perfectly and wonderfully and fearfully. And when you realize that, it'll cause you to live differently in Jesus' name. Here's question number one. Am I offering daily? Am I offering daily? 1 Timothy 4 says this, for physical training is of some value. So this isn't a Planet Fitness talk, okay? It has some value, but check it out. Godliness has value for all things, 
holding promise to not only this life, but the life to come. We have to offer ourselves daily to God. We have, and, and here's the principle. Our life is not our own. This belongs to Jesus. He gave me his life and body. Therefore, I give him in exchange my life and body. And I take on his nature. Here's how the Apostle Paul said it in Romans 12. He said, Therefore, I urge you. Do you hear urgency in my voice today? I urge you to do what? In view of God's mercy, which is God not giving you what you deserve, but giving you grace instead. To what? To offer your bodies. It didn't say offer three songs. It didn't say offer up your tithing record. All great things. God wants you to offer your bodies. Why? Because it's holy and pleasing to him. And you need to know this is your spiritual act of worship. So many times we think that the songs at the front of the set are worship. And they are. But worship is not a set list. Worship is how we live our lives. So this week, I want you to offer your body to God every day. Okay, that's weird. What's happening here? I'm new, I'm new to church. Here, here, let me model it for you. God, today, according to your word, I put on the helmet of salvation. I'm not going to think about things the old me thought about, but I'm going to think about the new things because you said I have the mind of Christ. According to Philippians 4, I'm going to think on things that are pure and lovely and praiseworthy and of a good report. There's not going to be negativity in this mind today. And if it is, I'm going to take it captive and submit it to your word. Today, I'm giving you my mind, Jesus. Today, I give you my eyes. As Job said, I'm making a covenant. I'm not going to look lustfully on a maiden. I'm not looking twice. I'm not clicking on that. No, I'm going to set my eyes on Christ and not be distracted by something that dishonors you. I'm making a covenant today with my eyes. Oh, my mouth. Oh, it has the power of life and death. There's no neutrality in my words, God, so I need your help. I need you to put a filter. Come on, it's like Instagram. I need a filter. I need things to come out differently. Let it be you, not me. Let it be positive, not negative. Let it be your words, not my words. Let it be something that builds and not tears down. Lord, my mouth today, have it. My hands, they represent what I do. Today, God, I'm praying that my hands would glorify you. Your word said in Psalm 24 that those with pure hearts and clean hands can ascend the hill of God. And I'm coming after you this year with a heart wanting more of you. And so God, help me with my actions. Help me with my choices. Today, I offer my hands to you. And these feet, they weren't made just for shoe gear, baby. These shoes are nice. I like them. They're my Christmas present. But these shoes were made to be ordered of the Lord because the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord, that you're directing my steps. You're giving me divine intersections with people that I need to hear from and perhaps need to hear from me. You're doing more with my life than I can see, think, ask, or imagine. So I'm not going to take it casually. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. And today, according to Romans 12, I'm offering my body, realizing this is a spiritual act of worship. And I'm giving myself to you so that you can use me in a great way. Amen. And in your own way, you can do that. And I'm challenging you over the next six days until we get back together in this room or before prayer on, on Wednesday night. You, you need to be a part of just praying and giving yourself to God in that way and watch your life change radically, radically. But I know what we're thinking. We're thinking our prayers more like this. Dear Lord, 
So far, I've done all right today. I haven't gossiped, lost my temper, been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or indulgent. It's a pretty good day, God. I'm really glad about that. But here in a few minutes, I'm going to get out of bed. <laughs> and from then on, I'm going to really need your help. Don't we feel like that sometimes? Sometimes we're just in that struggle. We're in that tension to live. I feel it with, with, with food, man. I'm, you know, one, one person said, hey, look, you need to eat like a king for breakfast. Come on, let it be your biggest meal. Eat good, baby, at breakfast. Eat like a prince at lunch. You know, dial it down a little bit. And then at night, just eat like a pauper. Just, you know, just dial it down. And if you were to ask me how I'm doing in that, well, I would say pretty good. But at night, I just hear a voice from the kitchen saying, long live the king. Long live. It's a struggle. It's a struggle, but God wants us to offer our lives daily to Him. And number two, am I withdrawing weekly? So offer daily and withdraw weekly. Now this is one of the big Ten Commandments. I'm talking about Sabbathing. I'm talking about the busyness of our schedules. How we're hurrying through life. Notice in Scripture, Jesus never hurried anywhere. Proverbs says hurried is, is a hasteful life. It, it, it causes you to make mistakes. It causes you to say yes to things maybe you wouldn't have if you would have had a little bit slower pace and a little bit more focus on God. But in our country, we are burning it at both ends. Come on, if we don't know how to be still and know that he's God. Another powerful part of fasting, the world slows down. It's hard, not just because you're hungry or not just because you're wanting to do the thing you've given up for a season, it's hard because you're so addicted to busyness, as am I. We are overusing and abusing our bodies, and God's encouraging us to Sabbath. What's a Sabbath? When the creation story, God Sabbathed. It took him seven days to do everything, but the Bible says he did it in six, and on the seventh he rested. Well, Pastor, that's Old Testament. Oh, no, let me show it to you in Old Testament. The Bible says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. And watch this. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, the whole Bible is God speaking, but it's important to notice the emphasis that he's like, and by the way, this is me. Hello, it's me. I'm not the problem, you are, right? That we have to realize that we need to slow down and Sabbath in our life. Oh, you don't believe it's New Testament? Watch Jesus' words. In three of the Gospels, he says it, but in Mark 2, he says the Sabbath was not made to was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. God doesn't need you to Sabbath because he's trying to bore your life or restrict you. He made the Sabbath for you so that because he designed your life, he knows you run better on six days full speed, not seven. So he created a pause, a break, where you could just focus on him and recharge the batteries, maybe connect with your spouse again, maybe introduce yourself to your kids again, and that we would just slow down and realize that we offer our lives daily to him, but we also need to make sure we're withdrawing weekly. 
I want to encourage you today, if Sunday happens to be your Sabbath, it doesn't have to be. Just one day a week where you pause and reflect and maybe have a, a home-cooked meal instead of eating out. Or maybe, maybe do something with your hands if you work with your mind. Or if you work you know, with your hands, then, then read a book. Do something that recharges you and, and, and energizes you so that you can accomplish God's purpose in your life the other six days. And you don't become a statistic of burnout who sprouted quickly, as the parable says, but then as soon as it got hard, faded. That's what happens to us when we don't follow God's plan for our life. Is anybody getting anything out of this today? Number three, am I living purposefully? What purposefully? Why did we throw that one in there? Because it matters. God made you for a purpose and on purpose. And as soon as we connect to that purpose and live in it, safety and strength and encouragement comes to our life. Here's what the Bible tells us in Proverbs. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. In other words, God has divine guidance for your life. He made you, and when you connect with Him and understand what He made you for, and you live in that divine guidance, you don't run wild. You don't have to live in behavior modification. You can live according to God's plan for your life and purpose that He has for you because your life is about others. And on this Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, I want to just read a quote, one of my favorite quotes from Dr. King. It says, life's most persistent, an urgent question is this, what are you doing for others? When we have an aim in our life, we treat our bodies differently. When someone's salvation or their healing or their ability to live this Christian life out is dependent somewhat on our witness, it changes how we live when we know our purpose. You need to know your purpose because you won't so easily give your body away to things. When you know what God has made you for, you realize there's value. That I want to be a vessel of honor. I want to be fit for the master's use, sanctified for every good work. I'm not missing opportunities in 2023. Maybe I was out of the game and couldn't step into them, but this year's going to be different. But it's not going to be different through effort. It's going to be different because I'm letting God revolutionize the way I see my health. Because the physical is attracted and connected to the spiritual. 1 Corinthians says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Does anybody have a competitive spirit in this church? Oh, I don't like to lose. I don't like to lose at all. The Bible tells you you don't have to lose as long as you have an aim, as long as you understand that you are in a race. This is not dress rehearsal. This is not a practice run. This is your life. You get one here and then eternity in heaven. It's a good deal. But we need to train our lives around our purpose. We need to discipline our lives around what God has for us. And then we need to use our lives, not for everything that wants to use our life. We need to use our life and our purpose for God's glory. The Bible goes on to say everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown That'll last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. We're not just walking around. No, we're living intentional lives, knowing our purpose and our destiny in Christ. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, 
I myself may not be disqualified from the prize. Do you want to win? God wants you to win. So the prescription the Bible lays out is realize that you have God's spirit in you. He, this is God's house. Some of you are like, I know, I, I built a mega church with it. Oh, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. But we have to understand that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and that how we live our life matters. So we got to offer daily. we got to make sure we're withdrawing weekly and resting, recharging our batteries, focusing on His Word and prayer. Then we come to a place where we understand why God made us. There's a point in your life where spectating no longer will get you in a growing season. Christianity is a team sport. It's a contact sport. It's not a sideline viewership. It's about contributing, not just consuming. Now, if you've been out of church for a while, this is your first time to church, you got church hurt. You receive as long as you need to. Do not make, make it feel like anybody's rushing you. But what I'm saying to you is very straightforward if I'm your pastor. And that is at some point you're going to hit a plateau. And the, and the growth God has for your life is not going to happen in the seat. It's going to happen at the door. It's going to happen playing a guitar. It's going to happen caring for kids. It's going to happen serving our city as we're doing coming up in February. It's going to happen when you get in the game and you start living in the lane of your purpose. And the number four, write this down, am I honoring fully? Now, most of us may be honoring partially. That's, that's what the Lord's like told me. He's like, hey, you're, you're, you're doing okay. You're still partial. Are we honoring fully? This honestly is the greatest motivation. Why? Because our body belongs to God. That's what Paul said in the same chapter we read earlier. Let me continue. 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God. In other words, the old you is gone. Christ didn't make an improved version of the old you. He made you a new you. That's what it says happens when you become a Christian. So it's not just praying a prayer and checking a box. That's a part of it. But what really happens when you give your life to Jesus is God does something on the inside of you. He makes you brand new so that you now can have the right motivations to do the things that He's called you to do and live the life He's called you to live. 1 Corinthians 6 ends this way. You are not your own. I want you to hear that today from God's Word. You were bought with a price, the precious blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who was without sin. He didn't have any issues, but He took on all of them Yours, mine, past, present, and future. The Bible says he who knew no sin became sin. He took our place so that we could become him. The righteousness of God through him. God wants you to know that your body has been purchased and it's been bought with a price. And the Bible ends with, therefore, say it out loud. Honor your yeah. You want a verse for the year? Right there, baby. That young girls, we're not giving our bodies away to young boys before marriage. That we're going to stay pure. That, that we're not just saying yes to everything and therefore abusing and using the temple of the Holy Spirit. But we're setting ourselves apart 
Notice the scripture said, if the man will cleanse himself, he can be a vessel of honor. God's not going to come down and do it. He'll save you. But you're going to have to live a life to where you're cleansing yourself of things that are holding your back from God's best. It's up to you. And I want that for you. As a matter of fact, we're going to pray. And I know this is a sensitive area. And I know this is a, a tough area. And maybe you're like, man, I, I'm not here for it. Well, that's okay. Come back next week, okay? We're going to keep the series moving. But I know that what we do spiritually and what we do physically aren't separate from one another. They're correlated. Therefore, we need to understand what both God wants to do and what the enemy hopes doesn't happen so that we can identify it and run our race that God has for us. Would you bow your heads? I want us to pray together today. As a matter of fact, I think a great prayer for us all to pray is I belong to you, Jesus. Come on, right there in your own way and at your own decibel level, would you just begin to tell God that you belong to him? Lord, I, I belong to you. I, I, my life is not my own. I know I've read it in scripture, but I don't want to be just encouraged and inspired on a Sunday and not live in the revelation that you've bought my life and that I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Today, Jesus, through the power of your spirit, I'm asking you on behalf of these wonderful people that you would just change us from the inside out. Give us a new nature and a new motivation and a new focus so that we can run our lives on purpose and with a purpose. Today, God, we're setting aside the old and we're stepping into the new. Some of you may be here today, if you would just keep your heads bowed for just another minute. And you understand what I'm saying, but you've never taken the first step. The first step is to receive Christ. The first step is to give yourself to God. I'm not talking about joining a church, attending church, doing church things. All wonderful. I hope you do. I'm talking about the condition of your life spiritually right now in this moment. Has there been a time in your life that you've been closer to God than you are right now? Do you know God wants to eliminate that gap? His greatest desire is to be in relationship with you. And if we get the relationship right, the actions will follow. We need a revolution. And perhaps you need one today by giving your life to Christ. I believe there's 20 people in here that need a fresh start with Jesus. You love God. Obviously, you made it to church on a frigid day in Tampa. But you know that your life is not fully devoted to him. And maybe a lot of things have changed in and out of your control. But the most important thing has yet to change. And I want to give you an opportunity to receive Christ today. If you're here, no one's going to call you out, embarrass you, or make you feel isolated. But we do want to give you a moment to where you can accept Christ and give Him your life. So if that's you today, I'm not going to play around. 
But I am going to ask you to be bold on this second Sunday at Palm City. And I want you to raise your hand on the count of three, if that's you. Pastor Brian, I'm not as close to Jesus as I once was. Pastor Brian, I've never given my life to Christ. I've attended church. I have a heart for God, but I've never given Him my life. One, two, three. I want you to raise your hand high all across the auditorium. Yep, come on, raise it boldly in confidence and faith. Not for me to see, but for God to see you taking a step of faith. You can slip your hand back down. I wanna lead you in a prayer, but it's about your heart connecting with God in this moment. I'm gonna help you with the words, but I want you to say something like this and mean it. Even if you didn't raise your hand and you wanna be included, say, Jesus, today I realize that you have bought my life with yours. Today I realize that you don't want something from me, you want something for me. God, that motivation encourages me to follow you. Today I'm not giving you my church attendance. Today I'm not giving you my religious performance. Today, Jesus, I'm giving you my life heart and soul, body and spirit. And I'm going to live for you. And I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to be the most on fire Christian this city has ever met. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, can we celebrate? Come on, somebody went from death to life. Somebody turned over not a new leaf, but a new life in Christ. The Bible says when one gets saved, all of heaven rejoices. Come on, let's rejoice. We're proud of you. Best decision ever. Yeah. Come on.